Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the FTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 132, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. Your host, as always, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What is up, Richard? Hey, guys, what's going on? Seth is also joining us, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. Ah, Seth, probably better known as Seth and Olive. (laughs) I messed that one up. What's up, Seth? Oh, what's going on, guys? (laughs) Uh, Chaz, as always, uh, content creator for Magic the Gathering, focusing on the financial aspect. Uh, You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. For the docket, it's the eve, well, not technically, but it's going to be very soon, of Pro Tour Hour of Devastation. The crew is going to talk about uh, just general things, um, what we would like to see, just our overall uh, commentary that we like to talk about every Pro Tour. Uh, it's going to be, <laughs> it's it's definitely a great one for us East Coasters, so you can hear us lament about the, the timing on that one. Uh, and that will bring us into a fairly large organized play announcement that um, is really great. Um, so we're going to touch on that as well and just jump in and, and just really just really uh, break it down, talk about all the different you know announcements and, and what that means for the game. So jumping right into it, uh, we had another Star City Games event. What do you think that is? Is anything telling going into the Pro Tour? Have we seen any trends yet? It's really hard to tell at this point. I mean, we're getting results from SCG events, from Magic Online, and it's feeling pretty wide open. I think there's a lot of hype around this blue white uh, God Pharaoh's gift deck, which won a PTQ over the weekend, but it's just so hard to really say anything for sure. So I think my biggest impression right now is we don't really know what to expect. We still have some of the hanger-ons from Last Standard. We still see energy decks. We still see Mardu vehicles. We see Blue-Red or Grixis Control getting a bit of a bump, but there's a lot of just weird stuff. The Monument decks around, Ramp decks are around, some of these new God Pharaoh's Gift decks, Mono Red Aggro decks. So I don't know what to think at this point. Yeah, I, I'm i going to wait and see. It It's always vastly different, and especially... You know, a lot of pros, if they practice on Magic Online, they go 4-0 and then they drop to prevent their list from being uh, published, uh, maybe randomly. But so it's just, I, I don't know, It's it, it always looks very diverse and very interesting until something happens at the Pro Tour and then we get like one deck meta. So I'm just going to wait and see. I think the pros are holding all their cards, you know, tight to their vest and they're not, they're not really showing the stuff yet so i i think pro tour is when we'll see the real metagame emerge yeah especially this pro tour after su- such a kind of after a banning like aetherworks marvel it is really open so that is this is one of those pro tours that it's going to be tight and close to the chest no one's going to re- even really be uh revealing a lot of information but i do think some trends can continue into the pro tour there's still some really strong archetypes already that may just be cleaned up, you know, made really more optimal in the in the hands of, like, a pro team with a lot of testing involved and a lot of hours, um, knowing the ins and outs of every matchup. So I'm really excited. I, I think what I've seen so far is great. Uh, I know you, you, uh, you know, shouted out, Seth, that this might be one of the most, you know, open formats in a while, and I think uh, that just has to do with just banning and getting through all this 
this nonsense over the last like you know six months to a year with all this crazy stuff going on so um i'm really excited and i i do think if i have to had to choose one deck it's probably some sort of energy list or um the monument list which look pretty pretty strong really strong actually i think if i had to pick a list i am actually pretty impressed with the mono red aggro deck i think that that could be a list that actually has a pretty big presence at the Pro Tour. It hasn't been around for several standards. I think this is the best mono red deck we've had. Well, I mean, I guess a Tarka red. Technically not mono red, but basically, you know what I'm saying. I think it's the best red deck we've had since a Tarka red, and a Tarka red was a Pro Tour deck that actually won Pro Tours and was super competitive. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that deck have a pretty solid performance. Yeah, going last sucks. I was going to say mono red. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like the deserts. The deserts really makes the deck unique to me. Like, so much reach in the lands. Uh, effectively, if you draw your two deserts, your opponent starts at 15. So it's it's just very unique. We, we've never had this much reach in lands. So that's, that's a virtual card advantage for mono red. And mono red hasn't been around for a while. So it's kind of the underdog. So we want it to win. Of course, once it wins, we'll all be lamenting and asking for four mana rafts and stuff again. But <laughs> you know, it needs its time to shine for a little bit for for those mono red players. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've been talking about it on the podcast for a long time. This is uh, you know this fast aggressive list that we've needed to see for quite some time. And and Richard, you keep bringing up the the lands, and it's just absolutely awesome because it's it's true. I, Having that much reach in your land base is really what makes it unique and so powerful that you can play sun scor- stuff like Sun Scorched Desert, rather, uh, Ramonat Ruins, and really kind of finish off an opponent when normally you didn't have that extra reach. I mean, you're only really working with Incendiary Flow, Shock, um, Collected Defiance to a lesser degree, but you didn't have. I mean, it's direct damage spells, but and they can't really be countered, so it's it's awesome and. Uh, Seth and I don't need a, another reason to love Earthshaker Kenra, so uh, we talked about that card <laughs> at length. It's a sweet card, and I'm really glad it's kind of the focal point of this deck. Yeah, it's it's very good. I've played against it a bunch of times because it's super popular on Magic Online right now, and it's probably partly because it's basically a Tier 1 deck that's also super cheap, which is super sweet because that's one of the things we've talked about as standard has gotten cheaper one of the nitpicks we've still had is we haven't had that like super cheap competitive deck that if you want to go and try to win an fnm for like 80 dollars or something we haven't really had that type of deck for back to like hell rider days like a long time since we had a tier one deck that's essentially a budget deck and i think that we might be there right now and if you look at that deck list it seems like a really good buy for players because a lot of the most important stuff is surviving rotation like very very small pieces leave the format but most of it is going to still be legal so if you're looking for a way to be competitive on the cheap i definitely will highly recommend picking up that deck because i think it's going to be at least playable for like a year plus and the most important point is akum firebird is in the sideboard <laughs> our our token like terrible phoenix of every set <laughs> rises when mono red is a thing and it's actually funny because you look at this ability it's like oh four mana three three haste okay cool but how will you ever get to six mana to trigger its landfall you know comeback ability and turns out this deck is so mid-rangey that you can actually get to six mana 
and bring your bird back. So it's actually pretty interesting that we see, you know, the forgotten mythic from uh, I think it's battle. It's from is battle, it from battle from from Zendikar, Zendikar? Yes. Yep. Yeah, come back here. Yeah, I think like it's it's definitely it has some late game options, and that's certainly one of them. And it just adds to the deserts. Like you could play all these undercosted creatures. You're playing the Bowmat Couriers, the Falcon Wrath Gorgers, the Village Messengers of of the format. And then if something you know if it starts to stall out, you have uncounterable damage in your lands, and then you have this recurring threat in a Coom Firebird. I'm really just happy that for once we get to see, uh, like you said, Seth, an undercosted yet very potent aggressive list. Um, I think the monument list is pretty close to it in price too, but doesn't survive rotation as well. I think it loses a lot of key pieces like, um, uh, what's the spirit? Uh, Spell Queller and stuff like that. So uh, I think it would take much more of a hit than the mono red list. But both are very good choices. It, it's... It's so funny looking ahead to rotation. Do you remember when uh, they printed Seder Wayfinder and it looks like this common that doesn't really matter and then it was like <laughs> one of the best cards in standard and when it rotated it like crushed so many decks. I feel like Thraben yes. Inspector is kind of that for like like half the deck in standard. They're going to try to keep playing their deck because you're like, oh, it's, just, it's just this random one drop. It's a one two. It's a common. But they're going to realize that so many decks are so much worse when that rotates. That card is like I remember so the strong. podcast when... What, what was it? It's in Shadows, right? It was in Shadows. Shadows was just coming out. <laughs> Richard and I were like, you know, I, I actually really think this card is like super sweet. Okay, so we do want to apologize for some technical difficulties. <laughs> Apparently my mic uh, had some issues, so you get a uh, slow mode version of myself, which may or not may or may not be awesome or not, or could be very annoying. I don't know. I think you sounded better than normal, actually. Really? Oh, thanks, Seth. Um, so, last thing before we move on. If you wanted to see one card do well at the Pro Tour, it could be from our, could just be some card from any set that's standard legal, May it may have been just kind of pushed out of the format, what would that be? Richard? Salmon. <laughs> the planeswalker the planeswalker i okay. want someone to salvage her <laughs> i want someone to prove me wrong and show me this card is good and that it's not a wasted mythic so if someone can make it work i think it would be awesome okay <laughs> i mean it's it's a great card to choose seth what do you think all right i'm gonna go with fraying sanity i know a lot of people have been testing out the various mill decks. I don't think any of them have quite gotten there yet, but I'm going to root for Frank Sanity Mill uh, to show up. Um, I think we chose this, we chose like an off the beaten path deck last time, Seth. We chose like new perspectives for last time just because it was so cool. We wanted to see, you know, it make do something in the Pro Tour. So I'm going to just have to do something similar this time. I'm liking this like kind of really weird, the, the blue white, uh, the, th what is it? The, get to the afterlife deck i just want to see let's just let it ride let's just see if it does something interesting so i'll just stick with that i don't even think that's a dark horse at this point i'm actually expecting that deck to really? show up i've heard so much 
buzz from pro level players about this deck like i had a big conversation with like todd anderson and some other pros earlier where i said oh i'm not i'm not worried about that deck we have graveyard hate now and i think todd anderson uh retweeted it saying i'm saving this for later so he can (laughs) rub it in my face when it when it breaks standard apparently well there you go uh i I guess it's confirmed that it is going to show up (laughs) uh moving on to the play announcements which were which it was a really big announcement. So r- let's run through it. Richard, break it down for us. I don't have it up. I can't break it down. Hold on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Seth. All right. Well, I mean, if you want specific dates and stuff, uh, I don't have those. But the big news is the Winter Pro Tour, the one that comes out with the second set of Ixalan block is going to be modern. The modern Pro Tour is back. And then next summer's Pro Tour, right after the next or the return of Corsets, is going to be a team Pro Tour. And it's going to be team style like SCG, where you have a legacy ringer, a modern ringer, and a standard ringer. And you each play one format. First team to win two of the formats wins the match. So I'm super excited for those. Otherwise... Uh, very much a North American bent. I think three of the four Pro Tours next year are in the U.S., and one is in Spain. Oh, we have 60 GPs coming up next year, and they're actually heavily weighted towards modern. There's as many modern as, uh, GPs as there are standard GPs. So modern actually increased based, uh, from last year, while standard kind of stayed the same. So big takeaways that I saw was modern is back and being heavily supported by Wizards and the Team Pro Tour. I think were the two big things. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's huge news. We went so we went from basically nothing to even one third of a Pro Tour. I think is a really big deal for Legacy. Uh, some folks might want to you know, brush it under the rug or say it might not matter. It's not a huge deal. I think it's a pretty big deal considering the decline basically to almost nothing in terms of coverage of the format. I think it's really something to be optimistic about. Yeah, I I love the team format. I love the three. You know, I don't like like team unified constructed. I think that's a weird team format, but I love the kind of master of each format's and, you know, there there's actually some thought you need to put when you put together your team. Like, you don't want three strong standard players on your team. You want, you know, a, a legacy master and a modern master or whatever. So I think it adds a lot of interesting storylines. And you get to see so many decks, so many cards. So I think it'll be a great viewing experience if they, you know, balance the formats. You know, they could, they could just make it like a team pro tour but only show standard decks that would be weird so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do to promote uh you know the actual set that's being released but i love the kind of resurgence of legacy and modern and as far as modern pro tours and modern grand prix has me a little worried you know i like that modern is being being brought to the forefront but remember the last time this was a thing we had what people consider artificial bannings to shake up the metagame so i don't want that to come back but I do like seeing high-level modern play uh, being, you know, streamed and broadcasted and stuff like that. So uh, I think this will be great for modern, uh, as long as Wizards is not too trigger-happy, uh, you know, with the bands and, you know, Death Shadow comes to mind. You know, it, it's a prominent card in a lot of decks, and if you wanted to shake up the metagame, that's an easy card to ban. So hopefully they don't go there. Hopefully they just let it be as is, and we get to see... 
you know, high level modern play, uh, kind of not not messed around with. No birthing pod, no splinter twin. Like don't don't, don't do these weird balancing bannings. I think Aaron tweeted out that they are going to let it just ride into the pro tour and they're not going to do any shakeup bands. I believe he tweeted that out. Um, but you know, I was told that I don't know if it's confirmed, but I believe it's there. Yeah. I, I think that Aaron did tweet something. Aaron Forsyth did tweet something to that effect that they plan on managing the format the same way that they do now. So you don't need to be afraid of bannings based on the pro tour. So hopefully they stick to that and holds true. I'm super excited for modern. I've, we kind of went through this weird progression with the modern pro tour. I was very upset when it went away. And then after they switched to the fast rotation and we had two rotations a year and they were all focused on standard, it kind of made sense to me why they didn't want a modern pro tour because it wouldn't do as good a job as promoting the new sets, especially with so many rotations rotations but once they went back to the once a year rotation schedule i think it's a good move to go back to modern because in all honesty without any rotation there is a risk at least with some standards that it gets a little boring if you just have every single pro tour be the same format you're seeing uh let's say etherworks marvel for example if that or one of the other cards that got bad in felidare guardian you just see the same deck like be the best deck through every Pro Tour for a year. So I think it's nice to have a break and see different formats on the Pro Tour. And I think the Team Pro Tour is going to be maybe my favorite Pro Tour ever to watch. I've watched a lot of the Team Formats events that SCG does, and they're super entertaining and really interesting, and the team dynamic really changes things. It seems like the players are having more fun. You're going and playing Magic with, like, three of your friends, and you have this camaraderie and just, like, a different atmosphere. So I'm really excited to see what that's like at the Pro Tour level. Yeah, absolutely. The team the team aspect is really great viewing. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be great for people to jump in, be able to view the team format. And I, I think it just lends itself to be a great event. Um, I have to think, though, maybe they kind of sat back and watched Modern and how it developed with the kind of a hands-off <laughs> mentality. And, you know, fairly hands-off. Um, they really didn't meddle with Modern a lot. And then now that it's just so great, I think it was a good idea to kind of spring in and kind of put it on the schedule because... Modern has been absolutely fantastic. I think it's, you're absolutely right, Seth. I think it's time to showcase Modern and definitely just the other formats because you're right, after a while, Standard, even if it's great, you do need to kind of break things up a little bit. So what do you think that we have a third type of team now? So you have the, I guess, the Pro Tour team, which is, I think, eight players? No, eight players is a pod. What was the number? It was some weird... I think it's... I think it's going to six, six. players. It's six players, is, yeah. So it's yeah. six players, which is not the right number you want if you want to actually test draft. So you have a testing team, uh, which you see ranging from, you know, eight to like 16 players. And now you have a trio. So, you know, you have all kinds of weird teams. And on top of that, you have the different store sponsors and whatnot. So I, I just really wish they solidified what a team was in Magic and stuck to it instead of... You know, basically having three or four affiliations for each player. Oh, this is my three-person team. This is my six-person team. This is my eight-person team. This is my sponsor. And this is who paid for me at this event. You know, there's just too many affiliations. Yeah, that is true. But they do do that to some extent in other esports. I mean, there are there's like a big team, and then there's sub teams within like that kind of brand that will play other play other games. I mean, but a particular I, I get player that it's player is only on one team, right. though, right? 
That's true. Uh, I, I do believe maybe sometimes that they have some players cross over, but it's not often. You're absolutely right. I do think it is a little confusing. Yeah, but I think the three-person team is kind of the best team in, in the sense that you know who your teammates are and you can see the camaraderie and you can see the interaction and it feels like a team. Whereas like some of these pro tour teams, it feels like, you know, person one doesn't know person five at all. Right. And they might, you know, they might test some matches, but throughout the entire event, they don't really interact and you don't see them. But with the three person team, you're sitting side by side, you're playing all your matches together. Uh, you know, you're looking at each other, giving each other advice and stuff. So it feels like much more of a team effort uh, when you have the 3v3 setup. Yeah, that that was definitely true the last Pro Tour. It was like the people that didn't have a team, team. Like, and <laughs> maybe they barely didn't even know each other. <laughs> you definitely got that sense uh, when they were covering the teams and like those in-between spots. I think it's going to be super interesting to see how the three-player teams actually develop because I know with the qualifiers, some teams actually qualify by performing well at a team GP, but then you also have people that get on because they're in one of the best performing six player teams, which I assume you somehow split up your six person team into two, three person teams. But then you also have just like gold and silver pros who aren't necessarily affiliated with a team or qualify due to a team event. So you're going to have these like free agents that are floating around and can kind of make their own teams too. So I think that that whole process is going to add a lot of suspense and drama to that pro tour because leading up to it, you're going to have probably people like vying to construct a good team to have the best chance of competing at the team pro tour. Yeah, you mentioned free agent and I I really want to see that develop. I want to see someone get booted from a team. Because, you know, they're not good enough in Legacy, and, like, you call in the free agent Legacy player, you know, it's like, oh, you know, this person doesn't have a team, like, bring them in, right? Throw the cash at their face, bring them in, let them spike the tournament. (laughs) So, like, we get these specialists, right? So I really like that storyline, right? It's like, you know, like an NFL team, like, oh, you know, just just get the free agent quarterback, we'll do it, right? We can do it. (laughs) We're just one piece away from winning, right? Like, I think that storyline will bring a lot to, to the Pro Tour. Richard wants the drama. He wants the, the free agent season. <laughs> I want players to contracts. matter. I want players to have an identity and to matter. Because today they're all kind of interchangeable, right? So by having an actual specialist, you know, like, we need the white weenie expert, right? Call me Greg Lesko, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> That's absolutely true. So overall, I think a great announcement. I'm really happy to see it. I mean, we've... We've had to talk a lot of those, you know, the other formats in a negative light all the time and not by our own choice, contrary to popular belief. It really did kind of suck that these other formats were just declining. Not modern, but certainly Legacy has just declined way outside the spotlight. So it's it's really great to see it back, even if it's not completely tailored around Legacy. It's not a Legacy Pro Tour, but it is part of it. So I'm really happy to see it back. Yeah, I feel really bad for kind of the the casters and the play-by-play it's like congrats you need to know every deck in three formats go right please explain the lines of play in legacy storm while explaining like modern storm and standard mono red like go have fun lsv can do it he's he's got this i 
I think another thing from that announcement that's a little more under the radar because the big news was modern and teams, but they also changed the pro player club. They used to be that you would get to a level and you were that level for the whole next year. Now they're going to do it by seasons, lining up with set releases. So the awesome part about this is if you want to try to become a pro player, you don't Uh, In the past, you would basically have to start at the beginning of the season or else you'd be way behind everyone. But now you can kind of jump in at any set release and say, I'm going to go to every GP for this three-month period. Hopefully I get some good finishes. If I can spike maybe two GPs out of this three-month period, I can theoretically, like, be in the pro player club, get an invite to a pro tour, be able to, like, make that next step. So I think it makes it a lot easier for random newer players or new to the competitive scene players to maybe be able to like take the plunge and really try to qualify for a pro tour or something. So I think that's a really exciting change too, for a lot of people out there. Okay. Uh, I think that brings us to fish mail, right, Richard? I mean, we have a ton this week, so we wanted to at least (laughs) kind of carve out some time to get through these all. Yep. If you have your questions, send them to the hashtag MDG fish mail, uh, to at MTG Goldfish on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions. So first question, Proud Daddy 0312 love the cast. Have you heard of 8x8 theory for EDH deck construction? And if so, your thoughts. Anyone know what 8x8 theory uh, No, I actually, is? I have not heard about that. Glad you love the cast. Great question. I just have no idea what that is. All right, I, <laughs> so I actually, I, I actually looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up when I saw this question, and 8x8 is this idea that with every EDH deck, you have 35 lands, you have your commander, and then you have eight groups of eight cards to fill out your deck. And some of those groups you have in every deck, like card draw, removal, and then you also have, I think half of the groups are like that. They're things you have every deck. And then there's four groups that you tailor based on your commander. So you have eight other, or four other groups that you use based on whatever your commander is. So the idea is it's going to give your deck some amount of consistency, which is important with a single player format so i just learned all this today it sounds really neat and it makes sense to me but i don't have like an in-depth breakdown of the idea yeah i I don't like it because the way i play i like four packages of eight for card draw or something (laughs) or you know like four (laughs) packages of eight for janky tribal creatures so i'm trying to think like is there a deck where you want like say eight ramp eight removal uh eight card draw like does it actually break up that evenly Maybe and, like a good stuff list, but I do think it's, if anything, it's a great way for kind of just to sit down and start constructing a deck. And then, of course, I think you just start moving stuff around as you see fit. I don't think certain decks would have, like, they just can't conform to that kind of deck building if you're playing certain generals. Yeah. Um, I think you would want to be a little bit more kind of spell heavy or creature heavy, you know, based on your general. But I do think that's a really good place to start. And if anything, that hopefully answers the question. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm reading the page right now. You start off with 8 by 8 and then you can shift things oh, around. Okay. So you can go to like 6 in one and then 9 in another. So I think if you don't, like, if you don't have a good idea what your deck should look like, I think it's actually a pretty solid starting point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next question from Cam Chenmen. Does Wasteland Strangler and Long Road Home slash Whisper Weaver Angel work the way I want it to? That seems really good. I know Wasteland Strangler. I don't know Long Way Home. Is that, is that long, from Shadows? Long Road Home. Long Road Home. 
Long Road Home is from Eldritch Moon. Okay. Exile a creature. At the beginning of your next end step, return it to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter. Two mana instant. Is it any creature so, or your yeah. creature? Uh, just any creature. Yeah, then uh, it then works. Yes, it does it work. It works the way you want it to work. Yes, it works the way you want it to work. All right, next question. Uh, from at Streakus, why does Watsi put weak rares in dual slash planeswalker decks? Do they want new players to lose at FNM? What good does that do? I don't think they want players to lose at FNM. I don't think those decks are really designed to be brought to FNM. So you have to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, the only kind of supplemental product that they've made was the event decks. And that was kind of the closest they've ever come to making something viable that you could just open up and bring to an FNM and those are no longer around. Yeah, they're meant to introduce new players to the game. And there's no point... In, you know, you can make a, say, a competitive deck, you know, price it at $100, but then who's going to buy it, right? Only people who know what they're doing, and if they know what they're doing, they'll probably buy singles anyway. So it's for new players to kind of explore the mechanics of the set and, you know, get a sense of the game. And in that sense, you know, the Planeswalkers, you know, are exciting. They, they do lots of new things and stuff, so they're not meant to be powerful. And like Chaz said, event decks are, are where... You know, are the things you're supposed to be able to bring to an event and do well, like an FNM. But they haven't put one out in quite a while. Was the last one the modern event deck? I think so, uh, yeah. I it has think, been a while. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, most of these supplemental and, decks are for new players. And I think the other thing is they kind of want people to buy their boosters and buy real products. So I think it, like... From a bottom line perspective, if they put, I don't know, Nicole Bolas, God Pharaoh, and Smuggler's Copter in all the best, most expensive rares and standard in those decks, then people don't have to buy booster boxes and booster packs to try to get those cards. So I think that's the other, the other problem from Wizard's perspective. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of uh, these decks, I actually had a pretty interesting experience as I was learning Pokemon. Uh, the the decks they give you are pretty streamlined, meaning they give you four of each card, so you have a consistent yep. deck. And I found I actually really dislike that as a new player, because you just see the same cards over and over again. You're too new to care about consistency, so <laughs> it's actually better to have Singleton and see a wide variety of cards and effects to get a sense of the game. Because you're so new, you, you don't care how consistent your deck is. Like You barely know how to play, so it, it's kind of better just to get a... a large sampling of what the game offers just shower me in the gx's that's all i want to see just give me a wide range of gx's don't don't uh, bother me with all that other stuff next question from uh nino chi since now watsi is printing foil tokens would they announce only watsi tokens can be used in sanctioned events oh i can't imagine they ever do that that, yeah, that would be interesting. I could see it happening, but that would be really unfortunate. Yeah, that would be a strange abuse of power. Yeah. Well, one, one interesting thing to talk about more Pokemon. <laughs> Apparently in official Pokemon <laughs> tournaments, you cannot use your own sleeves. You have to use official Pokemon sleeves or blank sleeves. So you can't, really? you wow. can't use like custom art and, and whatnot. So it's like so weird. Like, why wow. would you do this, right? But that reminds me of this. Like, if Watsy goes in that direction, like, I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> I mean, is it just so that they have to buy the sleeves from them? I have like, is no it just idea. another income Maybe stream? Huh. 
consistency i don't i don't know because it's not just for featured matches it's like everyone there right like for featured matches yeah. i can understand if you have some weird restriction but i think it's kind of I, I would think that that kind of rule is in place to kind of keep down like any kind of cheating or nonsense like that but it is really weird all right next question from 69 griggs 420 i found two unopened packs of battle for zendikar fat pack lands are they worth anything when or how should I sell them? At this point, I I think that hype is has pretty much passed. Uh, I think we all remember that uh, that craziness. But yeah, I don't think you'll get you'll I don't think you'll get much for them at this point. Yeah, I see several listed on eBay in the five dollar range with no one bidding on them. So yeah. I. I think you wait. I think maybe, like, five years from now or something, they could have more value. They probably won't ever be like the original ones where they were, what, $2 a piece at one point or something crazy. But I think they're worth just sitting on a shelf for a few years and seeing what happens. All right, next question from Sinfinitismal. Would it be a flavor fail if Hour of Devastation was a set that saved Standard and brought it back to the promised land? <laughs> <laughs> that actually is I think so it probably it might actually be so you're saying Emrakul the promised end was the ultimate flavor win so powerful banned from standard <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was our devastation win. we should leave standard in shambles <laughs> yes <laughs> they got it backwards uh, next question from Bruno Alzaguire do you guys think with the modern pro tour coming back there will be more bannings uh, I think we covered that earlier in the podcast. For now, they're going to kind of let things play out and, and a wait-and-see approach. But I would have to think um, there will be more if it's definitely locked to be a Pro Tour format again. Not to mention the increase in GPs. I think yeah. I don't think Wizards is going to do the shake-up bannings because they pretty much directly said they're not going to do that. But I think the fact that... There's additional GPs and there's a Pro Tour means there's going to be more eyes on the format, which could incidentally lead to more bannings. But I don't think we see, oh, we need to ban Splinter Twin because we want the new Eldrazi to see play at Pro Tour Oath <laughs> of the Gatewatch or right. something like that. You guys are so positive. They will 100% do it. They say they won't, <laughs> but then they, they, they will not be able to resist, right? Like Death Shadow, something like that, they'll... You know, when there's so many top eights after like you know six events of the top eight looking the same, they'll they'll do something. I, I do think that Shadow is first up, first runner up. If if they do, yeah, kind of look at it. I just don't see it being that different from Splinter Twin. And if Splinter Twin was good to go, then <laughs> maybe Death Shadow is. But we'll see. I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the first year, <laughs> okay. and by then by then we'll see what happens. Uh, next question from M Hoop. Uh, pre-Pro Tour guesses for how many Tier 1 decks slash archetypes end up in Standard? I think we will look at four, maybe five viable Tier 1 archetypes. Uh, one, two, three. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go four. I'll go four. Maybe. I mean, I can see five, too. But I think it's going to be fairly diverse. I don't think we're going to come out of this Pro Tour with 40% of the meta being deck X, Y, or Z. Yep. I think it'll be lower. I think it'll be three, maybe two. Usually there's only two or three big decks. I mean, there are a lot of viable decks, but in terms of like clear cut tier one, usually we have like two or three if it's a good format. Uh, one if it's a not so good format. 
Next question from Quilted Train. How long do you think it'll be until Wizards bans Death Shadow to shake up the format for the Pro Tour? Yeah. We just touched we just, on that. Yeah. Let me rant for a quick second because <laughs> Death Shadow isn't that good, people. It drives me insane. I swear there's a contingent of people who, if Death Shadow puts four people in the top eight, they'll complain. And if it puts one person in the top 32, they'll complain just as loud. Like, I think it's just the deck that people get salty about losing to because they get, like, Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, Death Shadow, and then they die. And it feels bad. And yes, it does feel bad when that happens, but. I think that people are, some people are really overrating Death Shadow. I don't think it's as busted as some people make it out to be. It's like a strong mid-range it, deck. Yeah, it's like Tarmogoyf, but it wasn't right, grandfathered right. in. <laughs> Tarmogoyf was <laughs> grandfathered in. Everyone accepts Tarmogoyf. But Death Shadow yeah. is the new kid on the block, and we're like, no, no. <laughs> like, too strong yeah. for one mana. I don't think it's the card itself, Seth. I just think it's its usage. Like, it's just so, d- you can just, there's so many flavors of it that I think, when you have all the top decks looking for a way to include it, I think that's probably the deciding factor rather than, is this card just singularly that good? Maybe they just make it so you start with 25 life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next question from Ermeet. Hi, guys. I panicked and bought four revised Tundras for 440 euros. Please tell me I did the right thing. Are you playing Legacy? (laughs) Four, Four... Tundras? Four Tundras. Um, I gotta pull out the EU to USD converter here. I I think that's... (laughs) Well, yeah, I think um, it's like $1 to every one some change. Is is this like pre-spike or post-spike? I I would believe it's panic, so pre-spike. And listen, I, I mean, we're not out there to cause panic, but... The time to buy duels is always kind of yesterday, so I don't think, if anything, uh, you're going to regret having them, especially if you need them, and they're not, they don't drastically decrease out of nowhere. If anything, they will level off and continue to increase. I actually just looked at this the other day. You pull up every single duel land, none of them really drastically decrease. They only end up tapering it off and leveling out and then increasing, so... I don't think it was a bad decision. I was going to say, I don't think you'd regret buying dual lands. What you might regret is you bought four Tundras instead of four Volcanics, or four Tundras instead of four Undergrounds. So as long as you know you want to play blue and white in Legacy, then you should be good to go. So the only point of regret, I would think, is just the colors you chose. And and not for like investment reasons, but for... You know what deck you want to play because the decks do play very differently depending on what colors you have available to you. Absolutely, but do keep in mind. I mean, they're always used in commanders, so you always have that in the back pocket. And I'll just take it from a pure financial perspective. If I'm doing this conversion correctly, which I think I am, that the price you paid for your four tundras, you could actually just buy list them today for slightly more than that. So it feels like, from a financial perspective, it was a pretty good buy. Yep. Next question from. Colleen 404-88594, is Felqualder the final piece to make UW Spirits a competitive standard deck? Uh, I love this question because I, when I read it, I felt like I time-warped back a year to when yeah. Spellcaller was printed. Uh. It's such a great time for that question. Uh, 
it, it's very strong, but it's been in the format with the rest of the spirits for like a long time now, and it's the spirit deck is kind of in the same place. So I don't think I'm expecting it to suddenly jump to the top of the format. Although Spellqueller itself is part of a lot of tier decks, like the Blue White Monument deck. Absolutely, I think you have a better shot in Modern, actually. Right? I, I do see that sometimes creep into. Well, I don't know anymore with this whole like we're printing random five decks every day, but um, I used to see it sometimes. There would be like bank or spirits company, so every now and then kind of creeps up and uh, does something. Yeah, I've seen some like Jeskai control builds have been yep. moving towards four spell quellers as well. So I mean, it definitely spell queller is very strong in both standard and even in modern. Absolutely. All right. Next question from Nazir Smith. The 25th anniversary Pro Tour is a team trios Pro Tour, which includes Legacy. What will this mean for the format moving forward? Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit, but. It's great. I mean, it certainly can't hurt. It can only help at this point because Legacy was all but not covered on any kind of large-scale uh, EV event. Um, it has drastically been scaled back, so this is absolutely a great um, time to kind of have a, a little bit more confidence in this format and that they're adding it to this Pro Tour. Hopefully, it it's so good that they they kind of keep this format structure going forward. So I don't think it means anything. Like, it's a nice example of Wizards uh, throwing a bone to the Legacy community. Also, uh, good for viewers. I think Legacy is pretty popular to watch because it's one of those things like when, I don't know, Professor cracks a booster box so you don't have to spend your money on our Devastation (laughs) booster box. It's one of those things like you don't have to waste your money on it. But I think the problem is... Even if people watch it and fall in love with it, how many of those people are going to spend three grand on a deck or even more now with the dual land spike? There's this barrier, and that's what's like holding legacy back over the long term. So I think it's good for viewership, but I can't imagine it's going to lead to this huge influx of play in the format or anything. Can't argue there. That is a great point. But hopefully, I, I'm just hoping that they see this team constructed thing and maybe they just keep it going forward. And with enough, I don't know, Eternal Masters over the next few years or what have you, whatever they want to call it, maybe they kind of lower it somewhat. I don't know. You know how awesome it would be if they did uh, standard Pro Tours uh, twice a year and then a team Pro Tour and a modern Pro Tour if this schedule was going forward? I would, I would I, love that. I, would love I think that, that would too. be so exciting. Yep. Where, where's the Legacy Pro Tour? <laughs> uh, no. Here, here's how you kill all the birds with one stone. You play Death Shadow and Legacy. When so you now have your deck page. is banned from modern, you don't need duels. You can use Shocklands and Legacy and play Death Shadow in Legacy. Yeah, I actually saw. I think it was Josh Hutter Layton who will be in the Hall of Fame this next uh, announcement coming up here. I'm sure he was playing Blue Black Death Shadow with the last Legacy G- uh, GP, and it was actually good. He was having success yeah. with it. So I mean, Bug Death Shadow has been a deck, kind of like a tier two deck. So maybe, maybe, but I really hope. If you enjoy the legacy portion of the Team Trios PT, post on Reddit, post on social media, post wherever. Let Wizards know that you enjoy this, and maybe we'll see more legacy feature matches in the future. Right? I think that's the best thing we can hope for, right? And then, you know, that leads to them printing more supplemental products for legacy and kind of the rebirth of legacy, right? If you show that you actually care about this. And, you know, you don't just tune out when Legacy turns on and come back when Modern and Standard are there, right? So it's really how the players will react to the Legacy portion, I think, will dictate how 
you know, Watsy will handle legacy going forward. It's all great points. I don't know how you get around two thousand dollars of underground seas, but we'll see. Water what brave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, next question from Vig SS. What standard archetypes do you expect to best survive the rotation? Yeah, I'm going with mono red. Me, me too. Also, mono the, red. Also, the energy decks are basically Kaladesh block decks, so those will be around too. <laughs> yeah, I think they play like one playset of a card from another block, so those should be good to go as well. Yeah, if, if anything, we talked about those event decks. Those are pretty much like <laughs> self-contained <laughs> Kaladesh block event decks. <laughs> uh, next question from Baldwin Man Three: Have you considered releasing four Commander Clash videos, one from each player's point of view? Uh, yes, we've talked about it, I mean, but it seems like an about insane it. just, amount of work. It's just hard, yeah. Plus, then yeah. you get to see how everyone else punts instead of just Tomer. <laughs> yeah, I like Tomer taking the brunt of the, the YouTube hate for his misplays when everyone else is misplaying just yeah, as much. Yeah, Tomer's the fall, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, at Cardboard Mage, who is the best Magic player of U3? Oh. I, don't, I think that question. must be sad. Well, since they... Yeah, Easily. maybe Seth plays the most, I would have to say. So with more practice, maybe, yeah, I would probably say you right now, yeah. Oh, ah, well, thank you. Yep. I have no. I don't know. I've never actually, I've played against Richard with our dual deck battles, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever played against Jazz. And I think, if, I mean, if you want to go by the record, I had a pretty insane win streak with our dual deck battles, so. I'm going to say that's not reflective <laughs> Of our skill, even though I think you're better. These dual decks just don't do me justice. Uh, next question from Orlov31. I predict the fourth Commander 2017 tribe will be Grixus Clerics with demon sub-theme. Maybe even Liliana's fourth demon. Thoughts? It's definitely possible. From the art, it could be very... I think that's a very good guess. That'd be sweet. Clerics are cool. Demons are cool. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Next question from Sir Boshinham. Any of you going to GP Minnesota? I don't uh, believe so. No, I, I watched Fargo before, and I don't think I'll ever go to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Very good answer. <laughs> so, sorry, Vorthos Mike and... Uh, and the rest of the Minnesota crew. <laughs> yeah. Next question from Sire Walter. Do you think Magic would ever head to a plane with Dungeons and Dragons lore and monsters? I need a Tiamat Planeswalker card. No. I doubt it. I don't even know what that would... I, like, aren't the Dungeons and Dragons monsters based in off Magic? Dungeons and yeah, Dragons. like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I, no. I, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been any crossover between the two franchises tiamat like could be a card someday that's not outside the realm of possibility though so hold out hope i just want a magic missile make magic missile in standard make it lightning bolt <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what? You, you could like clash you could have a lightning bolt if you and then you clash or something if you win it does three damage if you lose it does two there you go Ooh. Or three damage to you. Oh, that would be oh. terrible. <laughs> I did not like Clash, but I'm liking where that's you going. You need some RNG aspect for Hearthstone no. type mechanics, and that's Clash. <laughs> Unless you actually just want to straight up flip a coin. <laughs> While we're on that topic, what would you say if they printed a card that was, say, two mana, roll a dice, deals that amount of damage to a creature or player? 
Like, that's a literal Hearthstone card to me. Like, would that be, would you be accepting of that level of variance in magic? I don't like that. Okay. Mm. I'll have to think that over. I, I don't like, I don't All like right. Clash. I don't like cards where when you play them, something random will happen. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's Aetherworks Marvel, but, <laughs> like, oh, just doing anywhere from, like, 1 to 6 damage, that's such a huge difference, and no amount of deck construction can get you around that. Whereas with Marvel, think, you can build yeah. your deck in a way to kind of put the variance in your favor. Whereas with rolling a dice, unless you buy weighted dice and cheat, like, it's just one <laughs> to six and it's just random, right? Yeah, I don't think I'd like it personally. That's one of the reasons that I, whenever I play Hearthstone, I only play for a little while, then I get frustrated. Because I lose a game because of an effect oh, like what? that, and I'm like, ah, all right, I'm going back to Magic. What was that juggler card? What was it? <laughs> Oh, oh knife, knife juggler! juggler. Yeah, yeah. I always, oh, when I played Hearthstone, that card always got me. <laughs> <laughs> the bomber as well. Oh, it's like, oh, it's like oh, how did you goodness. get five random targets onto the same creature and kill it? Like, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, there's a reason I never stream Hearthstone because if you ever want to see salty Seth, wait till I lose to Ooh. random effects in Hearthstone. Ooh. This sounds <laughs> now actually we sh- we should stream it. <laughs> sounds like we need to do this. <laughs> All right, next question. Run Thundersnow, with the return to Dominaria, do you think we get Lawn of War Elves back? No. That would be like great, too, but no. Two mana Lana War Elves, probably? I mean, then it's not Lana War Elves anymore. It's, it's, it's Lana War it's Elder a bad, It's a bad something. part. I mean, that's probably a real card already. <laughs> I, think, I, think I think so. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> no, Findorn Elder. The, the oh. interesting part of this question is, with Dominaria and the 25th anniversary, if you had to peg the power level of Dominaria on a 1 to 10 scale, where do you think they're going to err on the side of making this super powerful because it's Dominaria, it's this return, it's Richard Garfield, it's the 25th anniversary, or don't you have that expect- expectation at all? It has to be powerful. If they make it weak, then it's going to be bad. It's It's going to be like... Uh, battle for Zendikar or something. They need to make it powerful. You know, they say standard goes in cycles. Well, you better time this so that it goes at the cycle of peak power. <laughs> because if I have like a one mana shock or something instead of a one mana lightning bolt, I'm going to be very sad in standard. Can you imagine though if they're just like, what if this is the set where they're just like, all right, you get lightning bolt, you get counter spell, you get uh, Lana War Elves, you get Wrath of God. Like, here you go. It's only in standard for whatever, 13 months. It's Dominaria, yeah. it's our anniversary, have at it. I think that would be sweet, and I think it's not completely impossible, although I do admit that it's probably unlikely that they push it that far. They need to do this to bring back all the old players. Like, how awesome would it be if you're like, oh, I heard there's the 25th anniversary of Magic this year, you buy a pack of Dominaria, you open the cards, and you see the cards you recognize from your childhood, you see a lightning bolt or something, right? Like, instead of these weird watered-down cards... So if you want that nostalgia rush, if you want to lure back the old players, I think this is the perfect chance to do it. Uh, next question from Mystic Remora one I love the cast, but has anyone ever told you you guys can be too negative at times? <laughs> yes. yes, they have and said what that. Is Chaz's favorite Zeppelin song? Uh, Cashmere. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good song. Yeah, you, you tune in for the salt. <laughs> and uh, I'm really Stay curious to see... Stay for the Zeppelin. I'm really curious to see Seth's Hearthstone Salt now. I'm really curious. (laughs) (laughs) 
How can we make this <laughs> happen? Maybe Someone I'll... send me some good ideas. <laughs> to be fair, a lot of it is really not on us. We're just talking about what's happening. Uh, and sometimes it's not all uh, positive. So we, we like to – we try to keep it balanced as much as we can. But sometimes a lot of bad stuff ends up happening. I I don't know hey, what it hey, is. Hey, today was a positive Oh, cast. absolutely. Like the Pro Tour. Yeah. We like the return to modern. We like legacy. It was a very unusually positive cast, but wait, Pro Tour is coming around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) The top eight list will be released. Last question from Random Dark Rider. What card only printed in a supplemental set would you most like to see in standard? Oh, I think they did that one for me already. It was Scavenging Ooze, so I was good with that. Wait, that, yeah, that. It was from a supplemental card. It was was a commander card originally, right? Yep. I, I'm going to go with uh, Baleful Strix. <laughs> I think Baleful Strix would actually be pretty fair what? in standard. I mean, it's strong, but it, it's just a 1 1. It's just, it, what does it really do? Oh, okay. Raven Inspector 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a. What's a good supplemental card? The only ones I can think of are the super broken ones like True Name Nemesis, which I would <laughs> no, not want to oh see goodness. in standard. Absolutely not. <laughs> Oh, that would be oh. so brutal. Maybe a confluence, but that doesn't even make any sense. I don't know. Maybe Baleful Strix is the best one. It's it's like powerful, but not too crazy. But yeah, so that's all our fish mail for this week. If you have any questions, send them in to at Goldfish with the hashtag mdgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. That was a great amount of questions this week. They were all awesome. Thank you very much. Sorry for the technical issues uh, this week. Can't apologize enough for that. I guess sometimes you get turned into yetis. I don't know. Maybe you do. I Now I've lived it through <laughs> firsthand. Uh, so, gentlemen, anything last out the door? I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're getting close to that time. Pro Tour. Excited yeah. for the Pro Tour. Not excited for no. staying up all night, but it's it's going to be a gonna sweet be rough. Run. But, yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's going to be really awesome, too. Do you think they'll bring back Nicol Bolas? <laughs> you, you, know, you know the Nicol Bolas actor from... Uh... <laughs> Vegas. Maybe. I think he was oh, a smash man. hit. He should Yeah, I think he was actually quite he popular just... for that segment could have gone really bad, but it went okay to well <laughs> because of the strength of Nicol Bolas. So I hope they bring him back for another event for Hour of Devastation. They should just have him wandering around the Pro Tour looking for Grixis control matches and start yelling out the phases when he finds one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that would be awesome. Great. Uh, I think that's where we will leave it off this week. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. We will see you all next time. This is the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. Bye.